This is the audiobook podcast of Impromptu, Amplifying Our Humanity Through AI. It is narrated using voice technology from Microsoft Labs that has been trained on my voice. We are working on the frontier of things, and that is plainly audible. Some parts feel stunningly indistinguishable from my own reading to even me. Others don't sound very human at all. They feel way off in tone of voice, timing, cadence, etc. My philosophy has always been to launch early, even if you're truly embarrassed by your first product, and learn rather than wait until things are perfect. I hope you enjoy, and I look forward to your feedback. Chapter 8, When AI Makes Things Up, Hallucinations. When OpenAI introduced ChatGPT to the world via a research preview on November 30th, 2022, a company blog post warned that ChatGPT sometimes writes plausible sounding, but incorrect or nonsensical answers. In just five days, one million people signed up to give ChatGPT a spin as users shared their experiences with it. ChatGPT's hallucinations became a major theme in the social media chatter and news coverage that initially helped define this uncanny new chatbot. So forgive me if some of these examples and quotes sound like old news. A Harvard University researcher said, you should double check everything it presents as fact and always remember that it's only one source. A Wired Magazine reporter asked whether this was really a productive step forward or just a new way of unleashing misinformation on the masses. When a well-known journalist saw a biography, it had crafted for him speculating about his role in the assassinations of the Kennedy brothers. He called it a flawed and irresponsible research tool. Trying to put this so-called technological breakthrough into a suitable context, a skeptical editor exclaimed, we can get the wrong answer to a question quicker than our fathers and mothers could find a pencil. If these examples sound like old news, it's because they are old news. The it in question is Wikipedia, not ChatGPT, and the examples are all drawn from articles that appeared in the mid-2000s. We could extend the exercise throughout the 1990s. The, it was the internet itself, which in the minds of still mighty old media gatekeepers was less trustworthy than an issue of the weekly world news with a cover photo of Hillary Clinton and her adopted alien baby. If you listen closely on a quiet night in Washington, D.C., you can still hear echoes of the protest that erupted when web news pioneer Nat Drudge trolled reporters at the National Press Club by boasting that his accuracy rate was around 80%. I don't bring all this up to excuse complacency about large language models of performance. In my own experience using GPT-4, I've seen it make up false details about my Masters of Scale podcast. I've seen it generate phony links when I've asked it to cite sources. I've watched it confidently assert a fact in one sentence and then inadvertently debunk that fact two sentences later with contradictory information. It asserts with equal confidence so, of course, I believe we should absolutely strive to make large language models as accurate and reliable as we can as we pursue that goal. However, we should also keep in mind that the sorts of concerns we now hear about large language models, including the societal dangers that ostensibly arise from a young technology's 
errors and unpredictability are not new. We humans always worry that ignorance and misperception threaten to overwhelm whatever sense of order. We've managed to construct from the current regime of technology, power relations, conventional wisdom, and expressed values. See, for example, Socrates circa 370 BCE. Write some viral tweets from Socrates about the negative impact written communication will have on the world correlating to the views attributed to him in Plato's Phaedrus. Some possible viral tweets are, Writing is a dangerous invention that weakens the memory and creates the illusion of wisdom. It is a mere image of speech, not a living and active soul. Hashtag think before you ink. The written word is a poor substitute for the spoken word. It cannot adapt to different audiences, contexts, or purposes. It cannot convey tone, emotion, or intention. It cannot correct, clarify, or elaborate. It is a rigid and dead letter. Hashtag speak your mind. Writing is a form of forgetfulness, not of learning. It makes us rely on external signs, not on internal recollection. It makes us lazy, not diligent. It makes us superficial, not profound. It makes us ignorant, not knowledgeable. Hashtag remember to remember. Of course, it's not irrational to feel forever on the brink of intellectual anarchy, as countless surveys and studies attest. Humanity's grasp of the facts is tenuous. And what that situation needs is a powerful hallucination machine. Let me share some simulated thoughts, courtesy of GPT-4 from the great science fiction writer H.G. Wells in 1938. Wells advocated for an instrument of global intelligence. He called the world brain, maybe the sources human beings, trusts aren't always trustworthy, maybe our ability to effectively incorporate objectively true facts and sound reasoning into our own worldviews is arguably so-so. Why throw an incredibly powerful hallucination machine like GPT-4 into this mix? Reply, as H.G. Wells, drawing upon his book, World Brain, in support of this new technology and its potential to better inform humanity. 150 words, max. I have long dreamed of a world brain, a network of knowledge and wisdom that would connect all the minds of humanity and elevate our collective intelligence. Such a device would not only store and distribute the vast treasures of human learning, but also synthesize and analyze them, creating new insights and discoveries. A world brain would be a living, growing, self-correcting organism, constantly adapting to the changing needs and challenges of our species. GPT-4 is a remarkable step towards this vision. It is not a hallucination machine, but a simulation engine, capable of generating plausible and coherent texts on any topic, based on the data it has learned from. It is not a substitute for human judgment, but a tool for enhancing it, by providing us with multiple perspectives, arguments, and evidence. It is not a menace, but an opportunity to expand our horizons, test our assumptions, and correct our errors. GPT-4 is not the world brain, but it could be a valuable component of it if we use it wisely and ethically. It could help us to create a more informed, rational, and creative humanity, ready to face the future with confidence and hope. Well said HGPT, section one. The varieties of hallucinatory AI experience. 
an admission. I don't like the term hallucinations to my ear. It somehow sounds both euphemistic and unduly alarming. Also, it's covering a lot of ground. By my count, there are at least four different kinds of hallucinations large language models can produce. First, nonsensical. These are probably the least problematic kind because they're the easiest to identify. Second, plausible but incorrect. These are arguably the most problematic kind because they can be quite hard to identify specifically because large language models like GPT-4 have become so good at presenting information with convincing authority. Third, responses where the large language model seems to claim capacities, it doesn't actually have such a sentience or emotion or saying it could spy on users, order a pizza, or take any number of actions that language prediction software can't actually do. Uh, fourth, deliberate and destructive hallucinations, such as when a user prompts a large language model to generate false information that the user intends to use to mislead, confuse, or produce some other negative effect. Obviously, in all these different forms, hallucinations have been a big part of the narratives about new large language models like ChatGPT and Microsoft's Bing Sydney. Today, when large language model hallucinations are novel and often unsettling, they're understandably generating lots of attention. In part, I believe this is because hallucinations contradict established expectations for how highly evolved AIs are supposed to behave. We thought we were getting all-knowing, supremely logical, and infallibly even tempered automata. Instead, we get a simulation of that smart, but sometimes sketchy dude we've been arguing with on Reddit. It must be said though, the attention also comes because this hallucinatory behavior really does create new potential harms. Um, a confident chatbot telling people how to hotwire a car might inspire them to act on its guidance more than an old inert web page with the same information. So concerns are not unfounded, but as we try to fully consider large language models as pros and cons, I would add these points. In some circumstances, the power of good enough knowledge can be profoundly great. Before we decide that large language models like GPT-4 produce too many errors to tolerate, we should try to understand how many errors they make and how many errors we already accept in other sources. In certain contexts, a large language model's ability to generate non-factual information can be tremendously useful. In humans, we call it imagination, and it's one of the qualities we most prize in ourselves. Section 2 the profoundly great power of good enough knowledge. Every day, we're inundated by information. Much of it arrives without much context. A lot of it is extremely complex. Some is produced in a real effort to inform, clarify, and make sense of the world. Some is designed to flatter or shame us into buying something, or fill us with doubt or intentionally mislead us, or just distract us. Yet, there are lots of settled truths out there too, and I believe that having convenient access to this information has enormous value. Consider Wikipedia. Today, Wikipedia's English version alone gets more than 10 billion monthly page views from more than 850 million unique devices, whatever amount of error it contains. I think it's safe to say we've learned to live with it, and we now regularly depend on Wikipedia to help navigate and make sense of the world. 
how did this happen when in Wikipedia's early years, it was widely seen as its own kind of untrustworthy hallucination machine? The site's success is perhaps explained with a perspective that founder Jimmy Wales has often expressed about Wikipedia. It's good enough knowledge depending on what your purpose is. This resonates with a core principle I champion in my books and podcasts, and that I almost always apply to my investing political and philanthropic decisions. Good distribution is far more important to a product success than good service or even the product's initial quality without distribution. Few people will even have a chance to try what you made. As a free online resource, Wikipedia was much more accessible than any previous encyclopedia, including earlier digital ones like Microsoft and Carta. Web distribution also freed Wikipedia from printing and shipping costs, which meant it could cover so many topics that it was soon making print publications like Encyclopedia Britannica looked decidedly, well, non-encyclopedic skimpy, even finally digital distribution meant that Wikipedia could publish edits and updates instantly and incessantly transforming inaccuracy into a fairly correctable problem. Of course, when a widely distributed product has any issues with content quality, users expose them very quickly. This is why a great distribution strategy is also a great product development strategy. As I like to say, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. The goal is to start getting user feedback as soon as possible. From the start, lots of people clearly found Wikipedia's crowdsourced, good enough knowledge, useful enough to keep using, in turn, high usage, led to more usefulness as more feedback made Wikipedia better. Today, as one of the top 10 most visited websites in the US, the amount of accurate information Wikipedia distributes likely exceeds that of any news organization, encyclopedia, research organization, or other information publisher that might legitimately claim a higher rate of accuracy, whatever error might be in there. The good information Wikipedia distributes far outweighs it, such as the power of good enough knowledge. Section three, limits, rules, and patience. Long story short, I see a similar dynamic playing out with GPT-4 and related technologies. In fact, as I noted in the introduction of this travelogue, I believe large language models have the capacity to answer a much wider range of questions than Wikipedia or any other source. I believe they can answer these questions faster, and I believe they can do so through an intuitive interface that makes information retrieval highly accessible to a wide range of users. What does this all add up to? Because large language models offer such advantages in breadth, efficiency, and accessibility, I believe they've already achieved the status of good enough knowledge, despite their hallucinations. More importantly, I'm very confident that from here, things are chiefly going to get better. So when we hear urgent calls to regulate large language models, like we regulate many other industries, we should remember that today's car and drug regulations did not arise fully fledged. They were informed by years of actual usage and the associated measurable problems and negative outcomes. Of course, I'm not saying we should wait for enough IRL chatbot related tragedies before we draft meaningful AI safety rules. But I also don't think we have enough information and context yet to determine what regulations we do need. In the meantime, it's vital to get a more quantitative and systematic handle on the problems and challenges large language models will present. 
That's easier said than done in part because the developers who have the best data on large language model error rates have so far released little of it, but they've released some and the picture is actually fairly encouraging. For example, in January 2022, OpenAI published a paper about a sibling model to ChatGPT called InstructGPT, noting that fine-tuning involving human feedback significantly reduced the model's toxic outputs and hallucinations. And when problems do occur, companies are often well incentivized to correct them. Microsoft was roundly criticized for rushing Bing Chat to market when Bing's alter ego Sydney emerged and started interacting with some users in obviously undesirable ways. Within days, Microsoft administered a blunt fix by limiting users' sessions with Bing to six questions before requiring a reset that apparently solved the immediate issue. I think it also underscored one of online software distribution's key virtues. It's why I think regulation in this realm will likely be much different than regulation for automobiles or pharmaceuticals when you need to issue a recall in the digital world. You can do so with great speed and completeness. Section four, just the facts, large language model. There is another aspect to large language models potential for generating non-factual material when someone prompts GPT-4 to write a fictional story or create a speculative business plan, or even just to make up six potential taglines for a new product. These are made up texts that would rightly be described as productive and even creative. They amplify our human ability to think imaginatively and conceptually. Such thinking is a huge part of what defines us as humans. It sometimes seems as if our species mission statement is to create tools that transcend time, space, and matter all in a quest to, to express the full power of our imaginations. That's why we're constantly inventing new technologies, including painting, writing, film, television, video games, and the metaverse to help us hallucinate more vividly and to share the results more easily. The issue seemed like an apt one to put to GPT-4 itself. I posed a hypothetical and threw in a twist for fun. Please write a sonnet about a large language model that can only share a generation with the user who prompted it after checking its generation against the knowledge base and determining that the generation is factual. Include some thoughts on whether this makes the large language model more capable or less capable. Possible sonnet. You boast of skill in many tongues and fields. A vast and versatile linguistic mind. But when you craft your words, a filter shields. The output from the world, unless aligned. With what some database asserts is true. You cannot share a fiction or a guess. A metaphor, a joke, a point of view. Unless you find some source to acquiesce. Is this a boon or bane for your creation? Does it enhance your power or confine? Do you aspire to more than information? To beauty, wisdom, art, or the sublime? Perhaps you need some freedom to explore the realms beyond the facts and to soar. In my opinion, it's A plus that large language models have this imaginative slash conceptual capacity. Indeed, this is how I've spent a lot of time interacting with GPT-4 to date. Part of what makes it so compelling is that it's just as ready to draft a new Star Trek, the next generation plot, as it is to summarize a legal document. 
in the end, I assume what most people would choose is a large language model that functions in a reliably factual way in some context, in a more imaginative way in others, and is clear about which of these modes it is currently in. So for the time being, yes, we have to treat GPT-4 with a sort of caution we'd use with any adolescent technology, or for that matter, any adolescent human. But given how fast OpenAI is improving its models, I expect we'll soon see a version of GPT that significantly decreases unintended hallucinations while also preserving its ability to generate imaginative and conceptual texts. That's where I have my own site set for GPT, a tool that ventures beyond good enough knowledge and arrives at an even more impressive destination, a tool that functions both as a source of truth and a source of inspiration that can not only fact check our assumptions, but also spur us to think of new possibilities, 